The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ are all declining right now with the S&P 500 index slumping four points to 2181. That is a drop of two-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 44 points, also a drop of two-tenths of one percent. And NASDAQ is down five-tenths of one percent. The 10-year down 20-30 seconds, the yield 1.61 percent. Gold down eight dollars the ounce to 13.37, a drop there of six-tenths of one percent. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, rallying 4.6 percent, up 208 a barrel now, 47.57 after this morning's inventories report. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Do the names Colin Chapman, Michael Schumacher, or Jackie Stewart mean anything to you? Well, they do to our next guest, Paul Sweeney. He is U.S. Director of Research and Senior Media and Internet Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Of course, Bloomberg Intelligence providing unique and real-time research and context for a variety of industries, as well as markets and government factors that affect business. Our terminal customers can access this function just by typing BIGO. On the Bloomberg. Paul Sweeney, go ahead. I didn't want to give it away. What do all those names have in common? Formula One race car drivers. Yes, and you are here to tell us about the new owner of Formula One. Right. It's uh, in a, I think, a kind of a surprising transaction yesterday. Um, John Malone's Liberty Media Company is one of his many uh, Liberty Media Companies tracking stocks, uh, announced that it's purchasing uh, Formula One, uh, parent company, uh, for about $4.4 billion um, and really making a big, big play uh, on a sport that is not well known here in the U.S., but uh, it's got a major global footprint. Well, I'm so glad to say here you say it was a surprise because I'm going really when I when I saw this right, but of course, um, Liberty Media CEO Greg Maffei calling it uh, Formula One's digital operations that part of it underdeveloped, and you know we have seen. Like the Tennis Channel is doing quite well. The Sinclair Broadcasting just got mm-hmm. them. They're, they want to get to, what, 60, 70 million households from 47 million. Not the tennis is a niche sport. However, it seems that a lot of people are betting on taking an audience that is, is as my face says, underdeveloped and, co- you know, not trying to be broad, but really trying to make that niche be something strong and powerful and yeah, profitable. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a really is a, a global, uh, sporting franchise, much like soccer is on a, on a global basis, uh, it really is a global basis. Uh, and the ish- interesting thing there is they have a you know they have a television audience of over 400 million. That's a big number globally, but it's down from 600 million about uh, 10 10 years ago. Uh, so they have a big over the air audience. They have a pay TV audience, uh, but there's a lot of markets where they're really underpenetrated from a television perspective. The United States market, North America being the biggest, but there are also a lot of Asian markets where they feel like they're underpenetrated from a television audience perspective. So I know. Uh, Listening to the Liberty folks yesterday, they think that's an area of growth. But as you mentioned, that they highlighted some of the digital opportunities um, 
where really that they believe that the long-term growth is for this business, i.e., let's create uh, digital distribution platforms, whether it's direct Internet access uh, to allow more fans to get access to this racing uh, and to try to monetize those digital rights in the future, which is something that really Formula One, by its own admission, really has not done. What happens to Bernie Ecclestone? Well, I think – He's the, the current uh, yeah. chief executive yeah, of Bert Formula Bernie, One. Yeah, Bert Bernie Ecclestone really founded Formula One racing um, as a global uh, business, you know, 25, uh, 30, 30 years ago. Uh, but, again, I think um, I think certainly in the near term he's going to stay there. We'll have to see what, what happens. Uh, uh, Liberty Media did bring in uh, Chase Carey. He used to be a senior executive at Rupert Murdoch and is an extremely uh, well-thought-of uh, executive, uh, certainly in, in the media and telecommunications space. So he's going to be the chairman of, of this new company, and Bernie's going to stay as the CEO. But uh, long-term, you know, there may be some changes there. But because, uh, but clearly, I think Liberty Media is making a big bet here. I think they really view this as a content play. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily big sports fans, but they necessarily, I think they recognize it as an undervalued, content asset um, that they believe over the next five to ten years they can grow the audience and then they can grow the advertising and sponsorship revenue opportunities because that's really what you're talking about when you think about the business of Formula One. It's it's global TV advertising and global sponsorship um, support around the world, and they think they can develop that. So, then, are you, do you think this is a sort of a, a one-time sort of deal for them? Or do you think they could look at other franchises, other sports that have these parts of the world that just aren't watching that much and find a way to leverage that? Yeah, I think typically for a John Malone type of transaction, the first thing I saw, I thought of when I saw this cross the tape is he is going to use this asset as a wedge to get into other global media companies. Um, if somebody wants to do uh, really partner with Formula One, um, I think John Malone would be willing to give up some equity in the Formula One business in exchange for equity in a larger global media company. That's kind of been his MO to use an asset as a wedge or a way to get into uh, an equity ownership uh, position in another company. So, you know, whether that's a Italian company like Mediaset or, you know, so, something along those lines, one of the Sky companies p- potentially, um, I could see this as, a, as a, a way for him to kind of broaden uh, his global distribution uh, platform. Paul Sweeney, thanks so much for joining us. He's Director of North American Research and Media Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Well, going from Formula One racing to a different kind of race now, back-to-back appearances by Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump at a forum on the military Wednesday night exposed enduring weaknesses that both candidates have yet to overcome two months before the presidential election. Joining us now, Mark Niquette, government reporter for Bloomberg News, joining us from Columbus, Ohio. So, Mark, they didn't exactly face off. They weren't debating directly at each other, but they were debating each other from from afar in a way, right? Right. I mean, they were in appearances. Um, they were in the same venue, but didn't appear on the stage at the same time. One went first and the other followed. Um, and but they were clearly talking about a lot of the same issues. Donald Trump was bringing up um, uh, Hillary Clinton's judgment. Um, she had to defend her use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. And she was calling out his uh, temperament for uh, being commander-in-chief, which was the, the purpose of the forum, by um, pointing out that he has not had um, much to say about what he would do with the Islamic State or other specific plans. And that was sort of exposed in the, the questioning in this forum. Hey, Mark, I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit about the actual forum that took place and the interviewer, uh, Matt Lauer, because that drew a lot of criticism on the Internet. 
It did. This was, again, it was, they were not together. It was Matt Lauer interviewing each candidate uh, individually, and you had questions from veterans in the audience as well. Uh, and Lauer, the host of the Today Show on NBC, got some criticism that he wasn't treating the candidates fairly, that he was a little more hard on uh, Clinton with his questioning, particularly about the emails, her email problem, um, and also that he didn't uh, challenge Donald Trump uh, when he said uh, he uh, was opposed to the Iraq war all along, uh, when in fact there's evidence that he said he was supportive of the war. So he wasn't sort of fact-checking uh, and challenging false statements uh, when he was uh, interviewing Trump. So, I mean, it, it, but it also sort of underscores the difficulty this kind of setting has. And as we look forward to the next debate uh, coming up, the first debate actually uh, later this month, sort of underscores the problem of trying to deal in particular with Trump, who you know, makes a lot of broad statements, you know, it's sometimes hard to pin him down on specifics of what he means, and also, you know, this this question of being able to challenge something that he says that might not be accurate at the time he says it. Of course, so much criticism of the media being too liberal, maybe that's what uh, he was trying to overcompensate for. I guess we won't know unless we get him on the show. But Mark, uh, the latest polls, let's talk about those, because they uh, they seem to show some very stark differences between Clinton supporters and Donald Trump supporters that have been more and more persistent throughout these campaigns. Right. We have a poll up on our website now that uh, the, it's called the Purple Slice online poll that's done for Bloomberg Politics. And we specifically looked at um, uh, voters who do not have a high school, more than a high school education. These would be sort of un- uneducated voters or at least voters who don't have a college degree. Um, and we looked at that because, you know, Donald Trump has uh, made pretty strong outreach to sort of working class voters, uh, voters in this demographic. And the poll showed that he does have very strong appeal among whites who have no more than a high school degree. He's leading Clinton by like 55% to 33% in that group. But when you look at the total group of uh, folks who just have a, a high school degree, Clinton is still ahead just because she has such an overwhelming lead among minority voters um, who don't have a high school degree. It's like 83% to 10%. So when you put all those groups together, Clinton still has a lead, but it shows sort of her weakness uh, in that area, particularly white working-class voters, and uh, the poll suggests that a lot of this could come down to turnout, you know, whose voters get to the, the polls, uh, particularly in these key swing states like Ohio and Pennsylvania. Are they the minority voters who are more likely to support Hillary Clinton or sort of the white working-class folks who might be more enamored of Donald Trump? What about other Republican candidates and Hillary Clinton's call for them to disassociate themselves from Donald Trump's comments regarding Russian President Vladimir Putin? Right. It's kind of follow up from the forum last night in New York. Uh, Hillary Clinton had sort of an impromptu press conference uh, on the tarmac uh, before she flew out to a rally she was having in North Carolina today where she linked specifically comments that Donald Trump had made about generals, uh, U.S. generals. He suggested they'd been reduced to a pile of rubble and weren't effective in the Obama administration. And praise he had for Vladimir Putin, the Russian uh, um, leader. Uh, essentially, you know, Putin has said favorable things about Trump, and Trump said he was glad. And Clinton was trying to suggest that this was somehow uh, unpatriotic to both criticize U.S. generals and praise, in this case, a, uh, an adversary in Russia. Thanks very much. Mark Niket is a government reporter for Bloomberg News, joining us from the battleground state of Columbus, Ohio. Thank you very much. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. 
a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.